in prayer. Lord, I love you to pieces. I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for um, these ladies making it a priority today to show up on this beautiful summer day, Lord. And I, I just praise you that we can be here and uh, give you all glory, all honor, and praise. And so, Lord, we are here to um, enjoy you, to be changed by you, to hear the Holy Spirit. Definitely not my words, but your words, Lord. And so I, I totally surrender, Lord Jesus, that you would speak in and through me and that it would be only the Holy Spirit who speaks. And so I thank you for how Peter uh, was carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote these words down, Lord, so that uh, thousands of years later, Lord, that they can be, as we read the Word of God, the Word of God reads us. And so we can be convicted and changed before you and fall more in love with you. And so, Jesus, I, I just praise you for the new ladies here. May they know how much they are loved by us and, and loved by you, Lord. May they feel welcome and, and may they um, be encouraged uh, to continue to keep on keeping on, Lord, until we come together and, and start kicking off in the fall, Lord, uh, uh, right after Labor Day. And, and that you would, be, you would be so pleased with us. Lord, we are to please you on this side of heaven, and it would be really easy to please you in heaven, Lord Jesus. So this is just the practice crown. This is just, we're playing the away game over here, Lord. And we know where our goalpost is, Jesus, because that's in heaven with you. And so, Lord, I, I thank you. Uh, just, um, I just I just thank you that, that from you and through you and to you are all things that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, will... Reveal in particular, Lord God, the words that you're speaking. And so give us an incredible, joyful time as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. Okay, we're in Second Peter. By the way, in September we're kicking into Daniel. Uh, we'll be in Daniel. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be First and Second Thessalonians. But the Lord said, it will be Daniel. <laughs> Not quite like that, but it's going to be Daniel. Um, and, you know, it's taken two years to get through First and Second Peter. I have no idea how long it's going to take through. Have you ever looked at how many chapters are in Daniel? <laughs> right. No, exactly. Oh, well. Until the Lord, if the Lord tarries, right? So... <clears throat> So, uh, yes, we will be in Daniel, and it will be all about, you know, obedience as well as, you know, and I can't think of it, the Lord really put it together because Second Peter ends with the looking for the coming of the Lord. And so, you know, as we kick into Daniel with learning his, the obedience of Daniel and how he walked and, and how he did not stray, he didn't look to the left or the right, and how we will learn that in application-wise, and then, of course, how Daniel plays into uh, the Lord's coming. So it'll be an exciting, exciting time. I'm, I'm excited. I've been studying it and really chewing on the word. So at, we're in Second Peter, and, and remember, uh, Peter wrote this to believers, right? Believers. The first epistle that he wrote, he wrote to believers that had come to Christ at Pentecost, right? When he stood up and spoke, and then they went back to their home countries. This is the second epistle that goes right to the same people that are encouraging them. He encouraged them in the first letter by saying, okay, look, here's the deal. You need to keep on keeping on. This is how you keep on uh, being a Christian. This is how you walk. And by the way, there are false teachers that are like dogs on the outside of the church that want to come and eat you up. Okay? I want you to be understand about these false teachers. Then in Second Peter, it comes uh, years later. It was written in, uh, before 68 AD because that's when Peter was martyred. Uh, but it was a time of Nero. So when when you are seen in Second Peter is he tells them here here's the sure Christian life. This is how you keep doing it. This is it, right? 
you participate in divine you know, nature, that's the Holy Spirit, and you know that add to your faith, what? Remember? Goodness. They add to your goodness knowledge. Add to your knowledge self-control, which is the mind of Christ. Add to the mind of Christ. Perseverance, which is a military term, which means don't abandon your post. Don't abandon your post. I don't care if you're worried, tired, pummeled, persecuted, whatever. You don't abandon your post. Jesus never did. He went all the way to the cross. We don't abandon our post. And it goes from perseverance then to godliness because when you don't abandon your post, you're going more towards godly things than you are worldly things. And then you go to brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is loving each other for the sake of the Father, not for the sake of each other. You love each other for the sake of the Father. Okay. And lastly, the capstone is love. The capstone of everything is agape love, that sacrificial love. And he says, if you continue to add these in, in increasing measure, that means you need to be participating, you need to be in the parade, participating in, in continuing to add these God qualities. If you continue in increasing measure, you will never be ineffective or unproductive. Huh? In your knowledge of the Lord, right? Because that's your whole desire, is to become more like him. Like Philippians uh, 3 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him even unto his death, right? That's what it's about. That's our whole life, that our one goal is to know Jesus Christ personally and passionately and powerfully and then preeminently over our life. And then we will not be ineffective, we will not be unproductive, and then he says, and we'll never stumble and fall. Right? Right? So he's sharing, this is the sure Christian life. This is how you live. And by the way, as you're living this sure Christian life in the church, there will be now false teachers, not only on the outside, but now there's false teachers on the inside of the church. Okay? Now they've made their way on the inside of the church. So he gives a whole dissertation about here's what you do. You watch out for this. Here's your discernment. Here's what the Word of God says about it. And that's only what we're talking about is what the Word of God says about it, right? And so from that, then he says, and by the way, always look for the Lord. Always look. Be urgent. Always look for the Lord. He's coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Right? We are way closer than they were at that point. Right? Right? He's hurrying up things. We're way closer. And when did when did um, when did his return start? When we started looking at when he would return again. When he came, right? Right? When he first came. Okay, that's when he realized that, oh, you know, he's coming again. He told us he's coming again. It's just that we're a lot closer to his coming again. So he shares uh, at the end of Second Peter, and here's how you look for him. Here's how you can hurry up the Lord's return. And he shares in a nutshell that you can hurry up the Lord's return by being urgent and being about Jesus so that other people are going to come to know him. Right? That's how you hurry up the Lord's return. So today, we're going to go into Second Peter, or excuse me, First Peter and end, and then we're kicking into false teachers uh, and their destruction. So I want you to go to um, 19. First, uh, Second Peter 1.19, and I will read on. Second Peter 1.19. Second Peter, yep. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I'm going to back up. Go to 16. This is, this is Peter talking. Go to 16. We did not follow <clears throat> cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power <clears throat> and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is Peter talking, an apostle, eyewitness of his majesty. 
For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Do you remember when that happened? The transfiguration. Right? Peter, James, and John were on the mount, and Peter, of course, is the one who is yakking away, and he goes, Whoa! 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 Look at this! There's Elijah, there's Moses, there's Jesus... Yes, let's make tents. Let's just stay here. This is the best ever. And he was immediately cut off by God the Father saying, Hey, listen to me. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You better listen up. I mean, and and I can't even imagine Peter shuddering in his boots hearing God the Father speaking, right? Because what Peter was trying to do is to put Moses, who's the law, Elijah, who's the prophets, and Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law and prophets, all in one plane. And God goes, uh, no, no, no. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You don't understand. Everything will be at his footstool. You don't understand. Okay. And so now Peter, at this point, is now what used to be a rebuke is now a sweet memory for him. Are you following me? At this point, what used to be a rebuke to him from God the Father is now this sweet, sweet memory. You know why? Have you ever had a rebuke that's become a sweet memory? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At the time, didn't seem so much, did it? Right? At the time, it's like, mm, mm, okay. But when you listen to it, when you obey when you turn from whatever you need to turn from, whatever it is, right? Then years later, you're like, thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, lack of information. I mean, you don't understand the whole picture till later. Exactly, exactly. Like Peter didn't. And, and so when you look back on it, you can see, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that absolute sweet memory. And what he's doing is he's saying now to the believers, he's saying, you know, hey, we didn't follow cleverly invented stuff, okay? We, we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we're eyewitnesses, that's the apostle, they saw him, right, of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain, meaning the transfiguration time. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Four, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping." For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he 
brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who is distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. I'm going to end there. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to go back to verse 19 of, of, of 2 Peter 1, okay? And Peter is talking here about the evidence of fulfilled prophecy. He says, and so, in other words, remember, Peter is telling them, I'm dying soon. Okay? I'm going to be gone. I know this. There's prophecy. God's already told me this. He's told me I'm going to be dying. I'm going to walk. John, it says, I'm going to walk. and not where I want to walk. And, I'm, you know, people are going to te- take me where I don't want to go. And he's telling them how he's going to die. Okay? We know from extra biblical, from church history, he died upside down on a cross. Okay? So, he knows he's going to be dying. But he's saying... I want to remind you, 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 this is sure upon sure upon sure. It's because I'm gone doesn't make any bit of difference. It's because the evidence of fulfilled prophecy has been seen. That's what you stand on. Period. That's what you stand on. And he says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed. So Peter's experience with the transfiguration was amazing. Like anybody's would be, okay? It was amazing. It was exciting. But even more sure than Peter's experience with the transfiguration, the personal experience was the testimony of God's word, okay? More than his experience on the mountain, more of his experience of seeing Jesus face-to-face and walking with him, okay? More than any of that. is the testimony of God's word about who Jesus Christ is. Period. Okay? In other words, he's saying, yeah, I saw him. Yeah, this was amazing. Yeah, and this is truer than true. They're not fallacies. These are not myths. This isn't anything. But I want to tell you something. The prophecies, the prophecies that have come true, this God's word is truer than true, way more. You stand on that. You stand on that. And you still stand on that. The fulfillment, he says, of the prophetic word confirmed is a certain, reliable testimony of the truth of the scriptures. Okay? Certain, reliable testimony of the truth of scriptures. In other words, he's saying that prophecy that has been fulfilled is a sure evidence, surer evidence, okay, of divine revelation than miracles. Are you following me? Okay. The Word of God is always more sure than the experiences. Always. This is what you stand on. Not your experiences. Not your mountaintop to mountaintop stuff. Is He absolutely going to change your life? Oh, absolutely. But it's only because of God's Word. It's only because of what you stand on. Okay? And so, and so He says, which you would do well to heed. Okay? So in other words... This is truth upon all truth, so I would heed this. And he's telling him before he's dying, right? So make sure that you heed this, okay? So when you consider this prophetic testimony to Jesus, you would do well to heed this. 
Okay, it would only better your life to heed this, okay? Because there are at least 332 distinct Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah, Jesus, that have been fulfilled perfectly. At least 332, okay? All right, they have been fulfilled absolutely perfectly. I mean, just think about the one that always gets me about, you know, where it's like, oh, Ephrapha, I can't even say it. Bethlehem, Ephrapha, you know what I mean. All right, the big name of Bethlehem. Okay, I mean, you yourself are going to bring, you know, the seed. And I mean, meanwhile, you know, Joseph, Mary, and this, this, and it all comes together and everything. And Joseph has to go back for the sense. I mean, please, you know, I mean, you have to remember, they're. They're writing this not on the other side. We're on the other side going, whoa. And meanwhile, the prophets in the Old Testament are writing this down as the Holy Spirit is carrying them along. And you remember in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went as he pleased. He would come on rulers, priests, and kings only. And the whole, God would send the Holy Spirit and he would want you to do something and you would do it through the Holy Spirit. Then he would release himself. The Holy Spirit only came in the Old Testament on people as God needed him to. Now, in the New Testament, we live what? In the power of the Holy Spirit. Where does he live? In us. We are sealed until the day of redemption, until we see him face to face. So the question is, would you rather have walked with Jesus or would you rather have the Holy Spirit in you? Holy Spirit in you. Oh, absolutely. Holy Spirit. People are like, oh, I would love to be with Jesus. Really? That would have been cool, but guess what? You don't have power. You have Holy Spirit in you. You have Holy Spirit in you. And so he's telling them, look, the prophets who had no idea what they were writing down are writing this down and all of them have been fulfilled. 332 of them at least, okay? From a simple statistical perspective, it's absolutely overwhelming. Peter, Professor Peter Stoner has calculated that the probability of any one man fulfilling eight of these prophecies, just eight, not 332, eight of them, is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a one with 17 zeros on the end of it. Okay? And what and what that does is if you look at it, that number of silver dollars, one to ten um um one in ten, ten to the seventeenth power, okay, that number of silver dollars would blanket, would cover the state of Texas two feet deep. Okay. Our finite mind needs to have some kind of a, a feeling to that, okay? Or I mean it would cover the state of Texas, two feet deep. Okay, that's just one in eight. If you take it that if you take it to consider forty-eight of the prophecies, but we're talking three hundred and thirty-two. Forty-eight though only, the odds become ten in to the one hundred and fifty-seventh power. That means that there's hundred and fifty-seven zeros. Okay? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know what? Do a Google study on your Bible about how it's been tried to be burned, bashed, trashed. Kings have said, get rid of it, this and this, this. And guess what? It just, persecution just makes me live more. Right? Right? Just like the church, um, just like the churches, the the seven churches, right? In, In Revelation, right? The one that was persecuted the most, what happened? Grew and grew and grew. Same with the word of God. It has been tried to be battered, beat, this, I mean, to this day. And it just, 
right? You guys, what I think is amazing is I, I we love the Olympic Center home. I mean, we love the Olympics. We'll stay up late. We never stay up late. We'll stay up late. We're like, oh, look at that. Do you know? I mean, no matter what, you know, the media tries to put everything down with, with Christianity and Jesus and this, this, I have seen at least 10 different athletes give God all the glory, that, that Gabby um, girl, I mean, she says, you know what, win-win situation, God gets all the glory and I get all the blessings, and you know what, if this is why he's gifted me, I need to do this, I mean, she's just overflowing, right, the two um, girls that came in uh, in 100 meter hurdles the other night, um, wonderful, they just stood up and they said, well, you know what, God's gifted me this way, I, I just thank him for this, it's such a blessing to be here, just so normal, they're not trying to make, preach, and this is, they're just, they're just being Jesus, right? And I'm like, Lord, that is so cool. Because they try to keep it down and liberal media and this, 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 and everything. And then, whoosh, right? It just comes out, right? And, and the person's saying, ah, 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 right? I just love. God always, always is going to show himself. He always will. He has, and he will continue to, right? And the word of God, what? Flowers will fade, grass will wither, but the word of God will what? Stand forever, right? Truer than true. So I want you to realize, you know, you do well to heed it. That's what Peter's saying. You do well to heed it because it's as a light that shines in a dark place is what he's saying. You know, and no wonder he could say that the prophetic word is confirmed and that it's a light that shines in a dark place. It's something that we should cling to until, you know, the day dawns and Jesus returns. Okay? Because he has given us that hope. And so therefore, you go back to the beginning of Second Peter, you make every effort to add what? To your participate in the divine nature, add to your faith, which is your foundation, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, this, this, because those are all his qualities. And when you don't, and when you continue to do that, you'll never stumble and fall. Okay, so he's putting the whole package together and showing them this is the prophetic word confirmed. So in verses 20 and 21, he's giving us principles for the prophetic assurance. He says, no prophecy, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. None. Period. Even in Peter's day, there were enemies. Enemies of Jesus. There will always be. Okay? And in Peter's day, there were enemies of Jesus who were twisting the Old Testament prophecies. They were giving them like personal or bizarre kind of twists to it. Okay? Meanings. And what they were trying to do is to exclude Jesus from the fulfillment of these prophecies. Okay? Because if the prophecies came true, but it isn't Jesus, well, then that's okay. Then that's okay. But they failed to realize that Jesus is God. And it is Jesus, okay? And so, and so, um, as Peter is speaking about this prophecy of Scripture, the same is true of the gift of prophecy today, okay? Whether it's then or whether it's now, okay? It's true. There must be absolute sober confirmation of any prophetic word, okay? And that not through another prophetic word, but through the Scriptures only. In other words, if a prophetic word does not line up perfectly with the scriptures, okay, it is not from him. It is not from him, okay? It has to line up perfectly, okay? In the gift of prophecy, God never, ever, ever speaks to only one person. He doesn't ever speak to one person. And he always provides confirmation. Always provides confirmation, okay? So he says, prophecy will never come through the will of man. That's what we just read, 
All right. So if somebody comes up to you and says, I got a word for you, I got a word for you, I got a word for you, and he says or she says something that is not totally aligned with the word of God, you better run because it's not from the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right? Be very, very careful. Very careful because it has to not come from the will of man. It has to come from him. And prophecy always is through Scripture. That's why you need to be in your Scripture. You need to be in your Word. You need to have that non-negotiable face-to-face time with them so that God, the Holy Spirit, is giving you that discernment. Wait a minute. This isn't aligning with the Word of God. Wait, wait, wait. wait. This isn't aligning. Because in the end times, ladies, listen up. There will be itching ears. Itching ears. And you'll want to hear what you want to hear. Oh, that's good. Oh, that sounds good. You want to hear what you want to hear. For instance, I had someone say to me the other day, that someone came up to them and said, you know, I got a word for you. You know, God wants to make you happy. He's going to make you happy, okay? And, and, and you're not happy in your, in your marriage, okay? So in other words, she was using this, God wants to make you happy. The other girl is going, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, that isn't in the word. God didn't come to make you happy. Did you know that? He came to save you, okay? And, and, and we are to make him happy, with our lives. Okay, it's not that way. So she took something and she did what with it? She twisted it. She twisted it. And this girl goes, well, I'm not happy in my marriage. Well, God doesn't want that then. Ho, 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 ho. What, where is she going? Down a slippery slope. Down a slippery slope. Holding it. You go right back and say, wait, 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 wait. See, that's this, this person who is sharing this, first of all, shame on them. Okay, but the person who is also listening needs to have that discernment. That discernment that, wait, the word of God doesn't say that. This is a red flag. Thankfully, that person called me. They said, Mary, this is what was happening, this, this. And I said, okay, it's not about what I think. Let's go to the word of God. It's always back to the word of God. I'm not going to tell anybody what I think. I'm going to just share the word of God. And so we went through the word of God and this. I said, does this sound like he wants to make you happy? Does this sound this? Does it say fellowship of sharing his suffering? Does it say this? Does it say Paul, you know, asked numerous times to be healed and guess what he he wasn't healed this side of heaven but you know he said guess what My, your grace is sufficient your grace is sufficient because when you know I'm weak you're strong your power is made complete in my weakness, right? I said, okay, tell me where any of this lines up with what she said. Well, it doesn't. Okay, then that's a false teacher. Don't, you cannot listen. You must not listen. Only because the word of God says it. Not because of what I think, but only what the word of God says. So Peter is telling them, there are false teachers in the church. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful because we'll have itching ears. And of course, doesn't that sound good? I want to be happy. Yeah, and this is, God wants me. Absolutely. Well, then I need to leave my husband. What? What? Are you following? Okay, so what happens is, is, is prophecy never came by the will of man. By the will of man. It's what he says in, in 21. It never came by the will of man. It is wrong and it's invalid to twist prophecy into our own personal meaning. And that's what that girl was doing. Okay? It's wrong and it's invalid. Okay? Because prophecy does not come from man. It comes from God. As the holy men of God, what? Were moved, were moved, were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is what Spurgeon says about this. Listen to this. Far from inventing the subject of their own predictions, the ancient prophets did not even know the meaning of what themselves wrote. 
We just talked about that a second ago. Far from inventing the subject of their own predictions, the ancient prophets did not even know the meaning of what themselves wrote. They were carried beyond themselves by the influence of the divine spirit and after ages were alone to discover the object of the prophecy. And the fulfillment was to be the absolute proof that the prediction was of God and that it was of no private intention. In other words, prophecy proves itself True, right? You got the 300 and plus some, right? It, it, and every single one of them has perfectly become true, okay? Or have, was true then, is true now. It's been proven, okay? And so he's saying that the fulfillment was to be the absolute proof that the prediction was of God and that it was of no private invention. Prophecy cannot come from the will of man. It absolutely comes along by you being carried along by the Holy Spirit, okay? And where he says, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, in the Greek, it's carried along. And what the example is, is putting up a sail. Just like what you would on your sail ship, on a sailing ship. You put up a sail, and then the Holy Spirit blows you where he may. Okay? In other words, he carries you. He moves you along, okay, as you're listening to him, and he carries you along, and then you're, they're writing this down as they're carried along, by the Spirit. The same thing is in Acts 27, 15 and 17, as they were carried along, as you're moved by the Spirit. It's the exact same thing, okay? And it's like the writers of the Scriptures, the prophets and the apostles of the Scriptures, they raise their sails in cooperation with God, right? They raise their sails in cooperation with God, and the Holy Spirit carried them along in the direction He wished. Right? Remember? We don't get more of the Holy Spirit. He is to have more of us. We are to yield to him. Remember, it's always what he wishes. It's what he does in our life. It's the gifting he gives us. It's not the experiences we're trying to go for and get more Holy Spirit or more outward manifestation or more of this or more. It's none of that. It's us yielding to him so he gets more of us. That's what it is. Right? Denying yourself. Taking up your cross daily and following him. Because I promise you, ladies, if you're going to try to go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop experience with him, you are going to crash and burn because that's not how life is. You could have a mountaintop experience with him and the next thing is you're down here and you're in the valley and that's in the valley where the fruit is. And you're going to keep walking, keep walking, keep walking because you're still walking in what? Yielding to the Holy Spirit. It may be a desert time, it may be this, it may be you know circumstances, but he's always the deliverer. He's going to deliver you in it or out of it, but he will always deliver you. But if you're looking for the experiences with the Holy Spirit, with high mountain, high mountain, high mountain kind of thing, you got your eyes on the wrong thing. You got your eyes on the things he can give you instead of who he is. And you're going to crash and burn. You're going to crash and burn. And Peter's telling him, don't ever go there. Don't ever go there. The experience was incredible. Incredible with the transfiguration. But this is even more incredible. This is what I stand on. This is the confirming word of God. This is what will change your life. And you walk through that. And so he ends up in in 2 Peter then, uh, going to uh, 2 Peter 2, where he's talking about the rise and the fall of false teachers, because he's leading right into that. Right? He's leading right into that. And he talks about the presence of, 
of the work of false teachers. He says, okay, there were also false prophets. Okay, he just talked about all the ones, right? They're carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now he's talking about false prophets. He says, you know, there were holy men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So also there were false prophets and false teachers today. Today in his time, today in our time. Okay? And so Peter stated this as a fact. He didn't state this as a possibility. He stated this, this is a fact. There will be false teachers right now, and there's false teachers right now. And then there's false teachers in the future right now. Okay? There will always be false teachers. Okay? And he said, guess what? And he's talking to believers, and he says, they're among you. They're among you. Right now, they're among you. Not only are they on the outside of the church, which I warned you about, but now they're on the inside. And they're among you. So you better have your radar up. I'm not trying to say that, you know, there's one every other, uh, under every bush and to be scared and this, this. No. But this is where you need to be in the Word. This is where I, Peter kept saying, remember, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. It's, you know, it's... It's to work is to worship. You just keep on keeping on in the mundane and to keep yielding to the Holy Spirit and you will see you know, your life absolutely be transfigured or transformed as you're walking through it. But you're not you know, going for the experiences. And so he says, um, he says, Spurgeon says, there were not only holy men of God among the Jews who prophesied by divine inspiration, but there were also false prophets whose prophecies were from their own imagination and perverted many. Perverted many. Okay, he goes on to say in um, in the same uh, in verse one in the Revised Standard, he says these false prophets will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They will dis- secretly bring them in. In other words, false teachers work secretly. I don't come up to Emmy and say, "Hi, Emmy, Margot Fiesler, I'm a false teacher. How are you? Right? Uh, but I want you to follow me." Okay, they don't do that. False teachers work secretly. They're deceiving. Who is the deceiver? Satan. 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 Right? Satan came along and said, did God really say, did God really say, right? Remember in the, in the garden right away? That's what he continues to do. He's the deceiver. He with the capital D. And so false teachers are deceivers. Okay? And what, what happens is they will work secretly. It isn't that their teaching is secret. Their teaching isn't secret. But the deceptive nature of their teaching is hidden. The deceptive nature of their teaching is hidden. So you get drawn in. That's the itching ears kind of stuff. Let me give you just an example of, you know, I've shared this before, of Rob Bell, a national guy who uh, years and years ago when I was speaking and stuff, I would use some of his um, videos kind of stuff for rain and this kind of stuff and it would it would give an illustration, whatever, and and as, as I would continue to watch these and as I would, you know, continue to delve into uh, to him and everything because I wanted to make sure that these were appropriate, you know, you could see where his theology, like Stuart Briscoe says, if you don't have right theology, you're in big trouble, okay? His theology was going down, okay? And so what happened is he would say things on these videos. Um, did God really say that? I mean, did God really say this? Maybe he meant by a virgin that, you know, in Isaiah, it just meant a young woman. And so maybe Mary really wasn't a virgin. It could just be a young woman. Did God really, do you see this? Do you see the false, do you see the deceptive, hidden way that he's teaching? Okay, and now he's got 10, 15,000 in his church and everything. And so he just eases them in, eases them into the deceptive nature. Then he came out with a big book saying there's no hell. God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't do that. Yeah. 
God wouldn't do that. There's no, you know, he said he wouldn't have a hell and everything. He's a loving God, so there's no hell. I, last time I checked, when I read this, God talks more about hell in here than he does heaven. Okay? Absolutely. Okay, so, so what is happening is, is that his teaching is in secret. Okay? But the deceptive nature of their teaching is hidden. Because no false teacher ever announces himself as a false teacher. Okay, he's he or she is appealing. They usually have massive crowds. They usually have a great appeal, great appeal, great appeal, charisma. Absolutely, they usually have experience after experience kind of stuff. But what happens is, you know, it's it, it, it's it. The underline there's some deception. There's some deception, okay? And the destructive heresies. False teachers bring in like destructive heresies that destroy by telling lies about Jesus Christ and his work for us and his work in us. Okay? They will be able, you know, by these heresies then, people are hurt and people are destroyed. Heresy isn't harmless. Okay? It isn't harmless. It will destroy people. Because what he's doing is, is he or she is bringing in, in the name of Jesus, okay, and then just distorting it a little bit. Usually by their past experience. Usually by what, what you know, their thoughts are. Usually by how maybe they were raised. Something like that. And we'll take it. And it does not align with the Word of God. But you know what? You don't really check it out. You know, so you go along. So you go along with it, okay? And they are destructive, destructive heresies. And they are people in the pulpits today, ladies. In the pulpits today. There's the prosperity gospel going on. There's the emotional health gospel going on. Okay, there's all kinds of stuff going on. That The prosperity gospel says, you know what? Okay, first of all, we're just going to stand on the gospel. And the gospel is the word of God, period. Okay? The gospel is that Jesus came for us. He died for us. He was risen again. Right? This, this, this. And, and we know that when he ascended, the Holy Spirit came. Um, when we accept Jesus into our heart, he comes and lives in us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, we're sealed to the day of redemption. And then we'll see him face to face, whether he comes back or he takes us home. There's the gospel. And you live in that by denying yourself daily, taking up your cross, and following him. Then there's the prosperity gospel that goes around and says, um, but you know what? As a Christian, you need to have enough faith to make sure that you can handle all your finances. And if you give to the church and give to this and everything, then God will prosper you because he can't do anything else but. So therefore, there shouldn't be any poor people at all in the whole world or anything if they're believing in Jesus. Okay, is that true? No, that's not true. That's not true. That's the whole prosperity gospel. That's the whole, if you do this, they put the onus on you. If you do this, if you read right, if you do, if you pray right, if you do this, if you're given to the church right, if, 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 there are no if-thens with Jesus Christ other than believing in him, walking in obediently, and then what happens is you fall so in love with him because you're participating in the divine nature, right, where you add to your faith, Goodness, which is the Holy Spirit, goodness, which is knowledge, knowing and experiencing, you know, knowing Jesus more, right? To self-control, to perseverance. Then what happens is as you continue to walk that way, you know, he you he has more of you. And it's not about anything that you can do that you are winning anything. The prosperity gospel is a lie. It's a lie. And it tries to keep people like, like does the Lord want to bless you? Absolutely he does. He can't do anything else but because he's in the business of that. That's who he is. But he says, guess what? I need you to be this. 
I need you to be this. I need you to walk this way. I need you this. And quite frankly, we receive His grace all the time. Until I came to Christ when I was 31 years old, I should have been stomped down like a million times like an ant because of how I treated him, right? But because of his grace, his undeserved favor over me because he loves me, I was made in his image, I hadn't come to him yet, right? I received that because he can't be anything else but. So he's full of grace, he's full of mercy, he's full of agape love. However, it's not that he promises that you're going to be absolutely perfect walking through this world because he said there's going to be trouble. There's going to be problems. There's going to be this. And it's mentally, emotionally, physically, and, and, um, and f- mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. It will be all four of those. And so, you know, when people do this, they, they get big crowds, big crowds. And because people want to, oh, yes, absolutely. Then this is because what they're doing is they're not striving to be more like the maker, they're striving to be getting something from the maker. Right. Are you following me? They don't want to become more like him. They want to get the goods that he has for him. That is not what the Word of God says. These 12 that he started with, all but one were martyred for Jesus Christ. You think, you think that that was prosperity gospel? Not at all. Not at all. It has nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing. The other thing that's going around is, is the emotional health gospel. The one... The one that uh, Becca got this incredibly great from Christianity Today in, in her Bible class at school. And um, it's exposing the myth about this em- emotional health gospel. And, um, and, and, and I'll just read what ha- just a little bit of this. It says, several years ago, my daughter was badly in leukemia. While lying in bed in the hospital, she received a letter which read in part, Dear Susan, you do not know me personally, but I have seen you in church many times. I have interceded on your behalf, and I know the Lord is going to heal you if you just let him. Do not let Satan steal your life. Do not let religious tradition rob you of what Jesus did on the cross. By his stripes we were healed. The theology behind this letter reminded me of a bumper sticker I once saw. Health and prosperity, your divine right. The letter writer had bought into a healing in the atonement theology that most mainstream evangelicals reject. This traditional faith healing perspective. Christ's atonement provides healing for the body and mind just as it offers forgiveness of sins for the soul. The writer meant well, but the letter created tremendous turmoil for my daughter. While evangelicals have largely rejected health and wealth preaching that faithful Christians will always prosper physically and financially, many hold to an insidious variation of that prosperity gospel, which I call the emotional health gospel. The emotional health gospel assumes that if you have repented of your sins, you've prayed correctly, and spent adequate time in God's word, you will have absolutely a complete sound mind and body. It's a lie from the pit of hell. What did Jesus say to the guy who was, who was um, blind and, and the parents came along? He said, did the parents do something wrong? Is that why this guy is sick? Is this why this guy? Did the parents sin? Is it the parents sin? What, what did he say? He said, no. It's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. It's he that decides who is healed, this side of heaven, and who is not. Whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or physical. Because he is going to receive the glory. And when people put it on other people and say, your faith, 
You don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. You're not being healed because you don't have enough faith. Shame on them. That is not from the Word of God. It has nothing to do with that. He tells us we can have a mustard seed of faith. Mustard seed. And guess what? Do you think Paul didn't have enough faith? He didn't have enough faith. He wrote more than half the New Testament. But hey, you didn't have enough faith. You weren't healed this side of heaven, were you, Paul? So what? The onus is on Paul? The onus is on you? The onus is on that? Because you don't have enough faith? So what you keep going is you keep going back to healing service after healing service after healing service after healing service and you're needy and you're needy and you're needy instead of what? Being a disciple. We're supposed to go and make disciples of one another. Disciple means that you're going to walk uprightly, that you're going to absolutely deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. It has nothing to do with the fact that you haven't been healed. Nothing to do. And that is going around. And I promise you, it is taking hundreds and thousands of people down. Down. It has nothing to do with your faith. I had a text the other day from a lady who just said to me, Are you are you confirmed? Are you do you have proof of baptism of the Holy Spirit by proof that you're speaking in tongues? That's what the lady said to me. Nowhere in the Word of God does that say. And then there's the whole caste system. Right? You speak in tongues. You have outward this. You have this. Oh, but because you're a teacher or because, you know, you're, you know, servant or hospital. Well, it has nothing to do with that. The Holy Spirit wills as He may, what it says in First and Second Corinthians, to give as He may. He's the one that gives us. You know what? And whether you're a toe, whether you're an eye, whether you're a head, whether you're the foot, whether you're the stomach, it doesn't make any difference. You are the body of Christ and then we are to come together as the body. It has absolutely nothing to do. And when they say by his stripes are healed, they're taking it out of context. And just like Stuart said, if you take context out of the text, it's a con. It's a con. Because by his stripes you were healed means... You bet you were healed. You went from eternal death to eternal life. And you're healed forever. Forever. And quite frankly, you're being healed right now. It may not be something that you see manifested. Does he manifest healing? Absolutely. My sister and I saw Catherine Pettyjohn go from a complete cripple to absolutely walking until she was in her 90s. Absolutely he does. But what we forget is just like on the Mount of Transfiguration. The miracle was that he kept his glory down the whole time he walked the earth. He's God. And he kept his glory down until he let it go on the Mount of Transfiguration. But no, we want to see those experiences all the time or you don't have enough faith. That is not true. It has nothing to do with that. I got a call from a friend of mine. She was extremely upset. She said she went to a, a healing service. People healed her. Or people were praying for healing over her. She said she has tumors on her back. She's had them for years and years and years. And they said, you're healed. When you go tomorrow and you get your CT, those will be completely gone. She went tomorrow, went the next day, saw it. They were not gone. She said, you know what I did, Margo? I called them back up. And they said to me, it's because you didn't have enough faith. It's because you didn't have enough faith. I said, are you kidding me? I said, God has kept you healed. 
He has had your hand on those things. He has kept you healed for at least eight or nine years that I have known you. I said, you are standing here just by the fact that you're standing here. You are healed this side of heaven. And guess what? You are healed emotionally. You are healed spiritually. You are walking in that. It has nothing to do, nothing to do with that. I said, and what are you going to do with that? She said, well, quite frankly, I am thrilled that they weren't gone. Because I now know that it's not about me running here, running there, running this, 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 but it's about me knowing that this is what gives God the glory. And if this is what gives God the glory, then thank you, Jesus. I'm going to continue walk. Whether those tumors are there or not, I said, there's your faith. I said, that's faith. That Jesus is going, yes, happy dance, yes, 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 yes. It has nothing to do, and people are being absolutely held captive in that and the onus is put on them that they don't have enough faith I am praising God that she called me because she was extremely upset and we prayed and prayed and prayed and I said you're already there you're already exactly where you need to be are you kidding me right and guess what he heals you spiritually already has went from life to death already I mean from death to life already we're seated in the heavenlies with him already right he heals you emotionally He heals you mentally, and he heals you physically. All for his glory. All for his glory. Today is my mom's, Mary and I were just talking, it's my mom's coronation day. Eight years ago, she moved to heaven. Eight years ago, August 8th, at 10, 14 in the morning. Coronation day. You know what? She's made all the way well there. She used to say to us, if God receives more glory for me being in a cancer bed for eight years, so that people can come to know him. So be it. That's faith. That's faith in the one that will never reject you. That already has made plans for you before the creation of time. Don't you give me this emotional health gospel. It's not from the word of God. It never has been. It never will be. And all it does is it creates needy people that keep coming and running and running to the next healing, to the next healing, to the next this, to the next that. Am I saying that Jesus doesn't heal? Absolutely. He is the healer. Period. He can't do anything else but. Are we supposed to, like James said, bring together and put oil on and elders? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what are we going to say? Yeah, well, my friend has cancer here. I don't want you to heal her. You know, I, you know, I want her to suffer, Lord, and I want her to. Of course, He knows we're not going to pray that. I mean, think about it. Of course, we're going to come together. Of course, we're going to, you know, do this. And James always is talking about the best practice of the medical day, of the medicine day. So, whatever the best practice is, that's what you do. As well as bring them alongside and have the elders and come together and pray. Stuart Briscoe, I will share it again. He he brought two people together. One was in his thirties. One was in his 60s. They both had cancer. The elders came together. They um, prayed and prayed and prayed. They anointed him with oil. They gave all the glory to the Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, we, we know we know. And here they are. And our, our heart's desire is that they would you know, live, blah, blah, blah. What happened is, is the 30-year-old died. The 60-year-old lived. The elders came to Stuart and said, uh, 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 you're talking on this at church and everything. This isn't looking so good because really the 60-year-old should have died and the 30-year-old should have lived because, you know, when you look at it, I mean, you know, 60-year-olds lived more of his life. So therefore, are you following me? Okay. So they're putting all this false teaching thinking on this. When, whenever you start doing your own rationalization, you're a false teacher. And Stuart goes, um, okay, 
we absolutely allow God to be God. And we are going to continue walking through this and sharing about who he is and healing and etc. Because what this is who he is. It gave the Lord more glory to take the 30-year-old man home. And it gives the Lord more glory to leave the 60-year-old. Do I know why? No, but I trust him. I trust him. And I know that I know that, that he will make everything perfect in his time. And quite frankly, he healed both of them. One, he healed this side of heaven. The other, he made all the way well. There it is. There it is. There it is. One, he healed this side of heaven. The other, he made all the way well. Ladies, if you're involved in anything where they are coming and saying, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough faith, it's, and they're putting the onus on you, it's false teaching. It's false teaching. It's the emotional health gospel. And I know it's very popular. But the Word of God says, not anything to do with Margot Fiesler, the Word of God says, that's false teaching. It never can come from the will of man. It always has to be through the Holy Spirit. Because what happens, and I want you to listen carefully. In Second Peter here, he says, these are destructive heresies which are destroying people. And these false teachers are saying they're even denying the Lord who bought them. Okay? Now, I want you to realize, everybody's like, well, false teachers aren't saved. Not true. Not true. What do they say here? Even denying the Lord who bought them. What does that mean? If they know the Lord bought them, that no, they, they know that he paid the price for their what? For their sin. And so now they're denying even the Lord who bought them. So they know. They know what it took for Jesus. And they know, they know Jesus. So false teachers are denying though the Lord that bought them, okay? And, and what Peter's saying, in the very least, they appear to be saved. Okay? They appear outwardly to most people to be saved, okay? Otherwise, Peter would not have say it, said, excuse me, the Lord bought them, would he? he? He couldn't have said that, okay? But at the same time, they are destructive, false teachers. They're destructive. And even a person that has a godly walk in relationship with Jesus Christ can still bring absolute destructive heresies. Oftentimes, the worst damage is done by good men and women who teach lies. Because they're easily followed. They're easily followed. Good men and women who teach lies. Because their lies are accepted far more easily because of the good character of that person. You know, or the changed life, or the this, or whatever they are. You following me? And so it's very, very easy to see, you know, to, to follow a person, you know, who appears to have a godly walk. That's that's why, you know what? We will always be Bible study ladies. We're only going to be in the Bible. It will always be the Word of God. The Word of God is where it is. If I am never in this Word of God, and it's not just Scripture interpret Scripture, you guys, Scripture interpret Scripture. There is no one saying, if you are ever involved in any kind of book club, Bible club, whatever, and somebody comes up and says, oh, you know what, I think this means that. Oh, you know what, I think, I think that means that. Oh, you know what I mean? You know, oh, no, no, I think it means that. No, no, no. The Bible says there's no private interpretation 
It's what the Holy Spirit has written down. And that's what it is. And then you apply that to your life. It's not, I think this, I think that. Then you have a whole bunch of people's what? Opinions. Okay? It has nothing to do with opinions. And everything to do with this. With the Word of God. That's why He expects us to be in it. Because then you rightly divide the Word of truth. Right? He says, I didn't come to make peace. I came to what? Divide. I came to divide mother from daughter. Right? I came to divide. Here's the sheep, here's the goats. I came to divide. That's what the Word of God does. It convicts, it divides. Right? It doesn't mean we're divisive. It just means that this is who we are in Him. He just doesn't gloss it all over. It's like, this is the way. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me and that's it. And by the way, all the rest of it's true as well. So you would take heed, as Peter says, to make sure to be in it and make sure you're reading it because guess what? There's false teachers in the church. And then you'll have discernment. Then you'll have discernment. And you'll walk away. And you'll walk away. Okay? And so, and then he says, it brings on themselves swift destruction. Okay? False teachers are promised swift destruction. Okay? Even though many, you know, in our population, you know, don't think they're judged quickly enough. Okay? But to God, what... A year is like, what, a day is like a thousand years? I mean, it's his swift destruction. It's, it's, it's what he, he, he is the judge and jury. I don't need to be the judge and jury. I just need to abide by the word of God. That's it. Right? And act rightly before him, okay? And, and so what happens is, there will be so much popularity of false teachers, okay? Many will follow their destructive ways in verse two, in verse two, because of whom the way, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed, okay? And it reminds us that, you know what? False teachers are going to be popular, and just because something works in attracting a crowd of followers, it doesn't mean that it is of God. It doesn't mean that it is of God, okay? We know that God's work will always bear fruit. God's work will always bear fruit. But the devil's work will also increase. Are you following me? God's work will bear fruit. But the devil's work will increase. Okay, and what happens is, is they have, you know, following, 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 following kind of thing. And yes, are people going to come to Jesus through that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what will happen is, is the heresies that will happen and, and, and the, the false teaching will, just like this girl that called me, okay, it goes in. It's insidious. It's secret. It's deceptive, secret stuff. Are these false teachers saying that this is how you have to come to Jesus a different way? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No. They're, they're sharing that this is how you come to Jesus. But what happens is, then in the things that they have experienced or the things that whatever, you know, that they have their own interpretation to, then that's where it gets all mucky. That's where it gets all mucky. And we as human beings always love to run you know, for for something, you know, to be helped for something, instead of just running to the helper. Okay, I mean, he's it. He's totally it. That's why every single morning I'm like, Lord, you know what? I don't want more of the Holy Spirit. I don't even want to think that way, Lord. I just want to yield myself. He needs more of me. He needs more of me. And when you walk through life that way, whatever comes along, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever comes, whatever comes along, you say, yes, Lord, it's from your hand. 
Yes, Lord, it's from your hand. It's not necessarily something that I thought I would have or that I wanted or this, this, like a thorn in the side or whatever, if it's physical, whatever. But you know what? Yes, Lord, you want, I receive that from you. And if it is your will, Lord, heal me this side of heaven. If not, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient because in my weakness, your power is made complete. That bashes all the prosperity gospel. That bashes all the emotional health gospel. It has nothing to do with the onus is on you. You can't go to heaven by you trying to be good and having enough faith and everything. You can only go to heaven by believing in Jesus Christ, right? That he died for you. Okay, the onus isn't on you that you didn't have enough faith. These are strong, strong words from the Word of God. I am sure every single one of you know about something like this, have been involved in something, gone to something, this, this. I am not bashing anything where someone has been healed or something. Not at all. I am cautioning you to not live from mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience because it doesn't work that way. Peter says, oh, the experience was great. But this is even more great. And so, do, do, you know, is, it, is it yours to be the person who, who goes and shares and, and says, oh, yeah, I, you know, I found another false teacher. I found another false No. No. It's just like when we were raised in a very legalistic church when I was a kid. They used to come up and grab you and say, you're going to hell in a handbasket. Ah! Right? You know, it has nothing to do with that. And everything to do with you acting rightly, you knowing the truth, because the truth is what sets you free. And, and I will run off this article for anyone who wants this out of Christianity Today. It is extre- it's all scripture, and it's extremely, extremely, you know, it brings up about, you know, Job, right? Job, Job. I mean, really, Job, who is walking wonderfully, uprightly with the Lord, right? And Job. And then it says, right, in all this he didn't sin, right? However, he was everything that happened to him. Did he not have enough faith? Really? Brought up Elijah. Elijah who was depressed beyond, depressed at times. Going through suicidal thoughts. Going through all kinds of stuff, right? What? Elijah didn't have enough faith when he asked the Lord to... uh, with Baal here and his uh, sacrifice here, and whoosh, the fire came and even licked up the water. That's not enough faith? How would your faith do in that? I mean, really? I mean, there's, there's absolute point upon point upon point upon point. It has nothing to do with us and everything about us yielding ourselves so he can have more of me and less of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we just praise you for today. We thank you that um, you make us aware, that you make us aware of who you are, that you make us aware that, uh, thank you, Jesus, you did it all for us. And yes, God, you give us a measure of faith. And yes, Lord, we continue to grow up in you. And yes, our faith is more than it was yesterday or a year ago in our maturity and how we're walking with you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for that and how you mature us. Oh, God, thank you for that. I also thank you that every day has been ordained before one of them has come to be, Lord, for us. I thank you for that. And I know that I know that you have your best plans for us, Jesus. It's us yielding to your plan. 
And so, Lord, we will always, always pray for our sick ones, for our uh, ones that even you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, Lord, uh, and especially for those who don't know you who are spiritually sick, Lord, we will always bring them to you because you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. It has nothing to do with the amount. It is the fact that you're the author and the finisher of our faith. And that we absolutely surrender our lives to you in that. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for uh, walking astray or interpreting things or doing something that uh, we've brought people um, the wrong way or heresies or this, this. Oh God, keep us absolutely pure and clean before you. Keep us absolutely walking in the truth because that's what sets us free. God, allow us to want to have that desire to meet with you all the time in the morning and talk about you in the afternoon and to, when you're walking the road and, and with our kids and with each other and, and to continue, Lord, to continue to know you more. And so, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you so much for Peter. I thank you for how he warned us, how he warned him then and believers now, Lord, that there will be, there will always be that because it's just how our flesh is. And so I thank you that uh, you warn us and that you, uh, you absolutely have the path that we're to walk on. And that path is narrow and it's straight and you're the one who has made it for us. And so I praise you for that. Lord, I thank you that it isn't up to me to be healed. Oh God, I praise you for that. There'd be no way. No way, Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, that... By your stripes I am healed. I thank you that I have gone from eternal death to eternal life with you right now and that I'm seated in the heavenlies with you, Jesus. And I can proclaim that no matter if I'm walking fully whole physically or whether I'm broken down physically. And so I praise you for that. I thank you for your grace, your mercy. I thank you that you are the healer and the great physician. I thank you that you are the God who is enough. You're my shepherd. All those names that you are to me just when I need you to be. And I praise you for that. Lord, I ask that you take just your words and just stir them in our heart, Lord, that we would uh, respond to you and that we would absolutely uh, live in the good of that because that's, (laughs) that's who you are. So, Jesus, thank you for the women. Thank you for your word. May we uh, love your word more than life. Like, like Proverbs says, may we absolutely treasure your word more than even what we eat. And so, Jesus, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. amen. We will finish up uh, in Second Peter and then we will